This is the Fixer Upper Marriage Podcast because marriage without maintenance will break. I am your happily married host, Jason Parham. Join the Fixer Upper Marriage class via live recording as we learn how to make marriage and love better. What is the purpose of marriage? Stay tuned to find out. For show notes and additional content, visit fixerupermarriage.org slash purpose. Marriage is truly an amazing creation, I think we could all say. He created man and woman for each other and to love each other. Just to fall in love and to give yourself for a lifetime to someone. It's just an amazing thing. And God is such a creative person to think of marriage. And he invented it. And what a creative person. I think about my parents who've been married for over 50 years. And was it someone the other day I saw had been married for 60 or some odd years? It's a moment between two people and it binds together for a lifetime. He made it marriage to share through heartaches and sorrows and all the years of happiness and good times and bad times. I still remember my wedding day. What an amazing day it was for me when I saw my wife come down the aisle for the first time. It was like an event for me in my life when I gave my heart to my wife, when I stood on this altar and we, the sacred ceremony of marriage and we held hands and we said our vows to each other. It's those incredible words known, some of those incredible words known the man, I love you. And I said that to my wife and I meant it and I made that vow to her on our wedding day. And I still remember that time. It's like that moment was an amazing event in my life when, when we said our wedding vows to one another. But God has a purpose for marriage that is a lot more meaningful and a lot for, a lot more impactful for eternity than just being together. He created it in a way that promotes the gospel. The only way to understand this is to know Christ as your Savior. You know, we come to that moment in our life just like that moment when I gave my wife my heart. We stood on the wedding altar. You get to that point in your life where you give your heart to Jesus and you look back. And it's a moment in your life. It's an event that occurs when you give your heart to Christ. And without that, without that perspective in your mind. You can't really understand the purpose of marriage, but we can understand the purpose of marriage. The moment you give Jesus your heart, the moment you put your faith in Jesus, and then you can understand the perspective of marriage that I'm talking about today. Well, what is the purpose of marriage? I think this lesson is more for me than it is for anybody else. So just bear with me for a few minutes as I give you my heart and things that I'm struggling with and asking God to help me with. I find these, all of these, I fall short of these, and I'm personally convicted by all of them. Number one, number one reason, the number one purpose for Christian marriage is to share in the mission. To share in the mission. In the book of Acts, before Jesus left this world, he makes this promise to his disciples about the Holy Spirit. He had always, he had been there for them, and now he was leaving, and he promises them the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit had always been there, but there was going to be something different now. He was going to live in their hearts and empower them to do incredible things, things that they could have otherwise not done. And we experience through this act of the Holy Spirit living in our hearts some amazing things. But listen to what the words of the scripture say in Acts chapter 1, in verse number 7. And he said unto them, Jesus said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons 
which the Father has put in his own power. But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witness, witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and into the uttermost part of the earth. You know, throughout my life as a Christian, I have heard people begging and pleading for power. I've been saved for quite a while. I've been saved. I got saved at 17. So I've been saved for many years now. And I have heard this and I've been in church my whole life. So I've heard it many times. And there are multitudes who of Christians who pray for power to become a great preacher. Have you ever heard that? Give me power to be a great preacher. Give me power to have like a personal legacy. I need power so that I can have a personal legacy. Maybe powerful power to have a meaningful life. I want my life to be meaningful somehow. And if God would just give me power, then then my life would have meaning to it. But this is not the power that God gave through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter number one, he promises them the power of the spirit. And what does he say? And you shall be witnesses unto me. So he promises them the power of the Holy Spirit. And he says this It's like he's saying this. I found you all the disciples that he had. He had the 12 that were close to him that became the apostles. And then there were ladies that became disciples of the Lord. We read that in the New Testament. He said, I have found you and I have made disciples out of you. I'm going to give you the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to find other people and make disciples out of them. The power is in making disciples for him. It's the power of the impacts eternity through the gospel message. Marriage is a union that's designed by God to enhance the spreading of the gospel message. The two of you can make more of an impact together than any than you could on your own. And so God gives us this principle of marriage. It, this is expressed in the Bible. Listen to this in Ecclesiastes chapter four and verse number nine. Two are better than one because they have a great reward for the labor. Two are better than one. So God creates the marriage relationship and is in this relationship that the two become better than one. The two become better in one at making disciples for Christ. It's the mission of making disciples for him that we should engage our efforts in. It's a mission of a Christian husband and a Christian wife to make disciples for him. Join the fight together instead of fighting each other. You know, it's hard to fight each other when you're both busy in the battle for souls for Christ. Instead of nagging or criticizing your spouse, imagine if you encourage your spouse to give out gospel tracts. Instead of nagging your husband to do something else, maybe you could nag him, maybe not nag him, maybe you encourage him to do something for Christ or to be a witness to your neighbor. And then the problem with Christian marriages today, the problem that is with Christian marriage today is it is not a battle to advance the church. It's like we care for about everything except what he actually cares about. If you can focus your life together on making disciples for him, you find a higher purpose than fighting over frivolous things. And sometimes they get really frivolous, don't they? I mean, we fight over things like food. Isn't that crazy? Where are we going to go out to eat at? So we fight over food or maybe you fight over chores. Who's going to do this chore? I did this last time. How come you never help with this? And we fight over chores and Then we fight over plans and then we even fight over silly, ridiculous things. Have you ever had an argument with your spouse and you just after you got right with each other and thought about it? Why in the world did we fight over that? 
I mean, did we really just fight over that? We were playing Uno. How did we get in a fight over Uno? But we fight over silly things, don't we? But when we're engaged in the battle for Christ, when we're doing what Christ wants us to do, we realize there's a world full of lost people. And then we're not so busy fighting with each other because we're fighting the battle with him. There is a great mission that God wants us to be involved in. And it is a mission that I would say is being neglected. And that is the mission of making disciples for him. Here's some practical ways to fulfill the mission of making disciples together. Here's one. Join a good local church. The church is the vehicle that God uses to complete his mission. And you can do more collectively as a church than you ever could just on your own. So that's why God wants us to be a part of a church, to be a member of a church. God established a church in this world not to be like a social club or a time to get together, but it's to fulfill his mission on this earth. And we can do more collectively than we could ever do on our own. So God wants us to be a part of a local church, be a member of a good church, get involved in ministry find a place to use your talent in the church. Every Christian has a gift that God wants you to use the church in some way. If you need more about this, you can read Romans chapter 12. There's plenty of information there about using your gifts and the gifts that God gives all of us with. To say that you don't have a, a gift to use in the church is like calling God a liar. Because he said he gives everyone gifts in particular. So use those gifts, be involved in the ministries of the church and use those gifts to help. Maybe your gift is to teach or maybe to play an instrument or to sing or write or to be an encouragement. Well, whatever your gift is, it should be used to advance the gospel. You can use that gift in the church. So by focusing on that, by focusing on these things, these are things we can do to, to, together as a married couple to be in more involved in getting the gospel out, to be involved in making disciples for him. You can give money to think of it. The church needs would ask for your money, but give money, make tithing and regular giving a part of your budget. Yet this gives the church resources to fulfill the mission of guess what? Making disciples for Christ. I mean, there's a whole reason why God put a church on the side of the road, right? Not to be another country club. Have one right up the road for me. It looks really nice, but that's not why God put a church in the world. Not just a place where we can gather together and have a good time. It's a place where we can fulfill his his mission to this world. Give to missions is a great way as a couple to have a part in people being saved, have a part in making disciples. I can't go to Honduras. I can't go to Honduras, but I can support a missionary. I can help support a missionary who goes there. So you can give money into the mission fund of the church and then the church is able to support more missionaries. I think our church supports missionaries for forty five dollars a month. Is that correct? $40, we support missionaries for $40 a month. What, what an easy goal that is. If you just give $40 a month, why that's enough to take care of one missionary. So if you put $40 a month into that fund, that's you helping support one missionary. So that would be a great goal to start with if you're not already. And you, but having our mindset on giving money to the church, giving, that gives the church resources to meet the goal of reaching and making the reaching the world and making more disciples for Christ. You know, sometimes I wonder what other people in other countries think about us. I mean, there are people in other countries who can barely eat. I mean, they barely have enough money to eat. 
The woman's the thing about us when we complain about not having enough. I mean, sometimes I complain about not having enough. I have two pretty nice vehicles to drive, a really nice, comfortable house to live in. Why would we complain about not having enough or not be able to give to fulfill the Great Commission and people be able to see, people be able to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ? Be creative in sharing the gospel. There are plenty of ways where you can use your gifts, gifts to impact other people. You could make meals for someone in need. Or you could bake cookies, maybe, to show someone how much you love them, to show that. Take them to a neighbor, someone who's hurting, just to show some kind of expression, some way of showing that you care. If you're a planner, maybe you could volunteer to help make plans for special events. Here's an idea that I had. This might be a good example of a creative idea. Well, what about a 9-11 Sunday where you could have videos of what happened, memorial, talk about what happened on 9-11. And then everybody has a reason to, guess what? Invite people to come to church and become disciples. But how amazing would it be? How impressed would your pastor be? He would probably fall over. You want to help plan that? You want to help plan that? Yes, let's plan this. I mean, he would be so thrilled. But these are ideas. Just be creative. You can use the talents and abilities that God has given you to be a blessing, not only to your church, but to reach other people to make disciples for him the purpose of marriage is to share the mission and so as a couple you share this mission that god has given us and it is a mission to make disciples to reach people with the gospel of jesus christ number two to face god with no regrets the purpose of christian marriage is to face god with no regrets it's like we we'll never we never think about what it's going to be like when we see him. The first meeting face to face, which, by the way, is promised us in Scripture. We'll see everything from a different perspective. After seeing God, Job said this. I abhor, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. This is a godly man, a man who never thought evil. Remember when the Bible said that? He went through great trials of faith. And at the end of the the book of Job, he sees God and he says, I abhor myself. Repent in dust and ashes. John, who saw a vision in Revelation, the great vision, and he saw God in his vision. He falls down like a dead man. What's it going to be like when we see him? What's it going to be like when we finally see him? We're going to feel so unworthy and so wicked. And we'll look back on our life and see the things that we should have done, the things that we could have done to make our life more meaningful for the gospel, to make things more worthy for him. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 23, the Bible says this, And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance. For ye serve the Lord Christ, but he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done. And there is no respect of persons, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive a a reward. So one day we'll see him, and for the way we've lived our life, we'll either regret what we've done or we'll be happy for what we've done. And I have to say that most of the stuff we do are not worth being happy about when we see him. Live like you are looking back from the moment that you're going to see him. It's like you're living your life like you're seeing him right now and wishing you would have done it. 
So it's like you're looking ahead, but then you're looking back. Live your life like you're looking back from that moment. Live the way you will have wished you have lived when you see him. We'll all have to see him alone. It'll just be us and him. And what will we have to show that really matters? What a shame it would be for me to stand before Jesus and to see him face to face and not have done anything. I have no disciples for him. I have nothing to show the life that you gave me. The one mission that he gave me, but yet I put so little effort into making it happen. There's a story in the Bible that illustrates this perfectly. It's called the parable of the talents. I'm sure you've heard of it, but it's Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 through 30. If you want to look it up when you get home or if you want to look it up after you listen to this, a man travels to a far country. He leaves his three servants with money. One of the servants he leaves with five talents. One of them he leaves with two talents and one he leaves with one talent. And he comes back and the servant that has five talents says, well, Lord, I've invested the five talents, the five pieces of money that you gave me. Now I have 10. Then the next servant says, Lord, you gave me two talents and I invested those two talents. Now I have two. And both times he says, well done, now good and faithful servant. But then he gets to the one that had one. And the one that had one talent, he buried his talent. He said, Lord, here's the talent that you gave me. Had nothing to show for it. In rebuke, the Lord called him wicked and slothful. And he took his one talent and gave it to the guy that had ten. I can't help but think that that's the way a lot of us are going to feel when we see Jesus gave us all this and haven't multiplied it at all. I'm sorry, Lord. I made no disciples. Will you stand before Jesus having done nothing to advance his church? Nothing to show for all that he's given you? When we see him, it's like everything in the Bible teaches, like everything is going to be burnt up. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12 through 16, we find this. Wood, hay, stubble, gone. All the things, most of the things that we think are important, when you think about seeing him face to face, not really that important anymore. So wood, hay, and stubble. A thousand years from now, how big your house was, it's not really going to matter. But you drove a nice car, it's not really going to matter. The job that you had, wood, hay, stubble. The things that last in eternity are the faces of the people who you've impacted in becoming a disciple of his. Help your spouse be ready for that moment. Help your spouse be ready for that moment when they see Jesus. If your spouse doesn't know Jesus, you can show them the way. You can find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 12 through 16. But you can also, your saved spouse, you can help them be prepared for when they see Jesus as well. What's the purpose of a Christian marriage? To help each other be prepared to see Jesus. I want for my wife to stand before Jesus and see him face to face and have something meaningful with her. You can accomplish this by using the partnership of marriage to make disciples for him. By doing things for Christ together. By supporting your spouse as they use their gifts for him. 
you help them have something to show in that day. If your husband wants to go on visitation, encourage him to do so. If your husband wants to give out tracts, encourage him to do so. You know, when your wife has a gift of singing, encourage her to sing. Because what's going to matter in eternity? When God created marriage, he made a powerful partnership. It's not rivaled by anything else except for the partnership of Christ and the church. Two can do more together than one of you could ever do alone. Constantly evaluate what you are doing for God. Constantly evaluate what you're doing for God. To some people, and I've met a lot of people this way in religious circles, but it's like the Bible is a way to condemn everybody else. Like when they read the Bible, they see what everyone else is doing wrong. But the truth about the Bible is why I love it so much is that it always shows me what I'm doing wrong. It's like a constant reminder of how much I need to change in reaching my goal of being like Jesus. After all, what's the definition of a Christian? Being like Christ. Little Christians. You can find this in Acts chapter 11. They first called them Christians when they were in Antioch. They called them Christians because they were like little Christ. They remind me of Jesus. It's like going to see your doctor once a year for your annual physical checkup, right? Make sure you're doing all right. Make sure everything's okay. You get a checkup. But for a Christian, we get a checkup every morning. The following are some checkup questions you should ask yourself every day. Do I have any unconfessed sins or actions of neglect? Who in my life can I help lead to Christ? Who is it that God has put in my life that I can influence them to become a disciple of Jesus? What can I do today that will really matter in eternity? And how about this one? How can I help my spouse serve God today? What is the purpose of marriage? To share the mission. To face God with no regrets. And the purpose of marriage for a Christian is really to act like you're not. It sounds strange, but I couldn't think of another way to word it. To act like you're not. As much as marriage is such an amazing creation of God to accomplish his will in this world, it can be a distraction to the mission. The Bible makes this point in 1 Corinthians. Listen to this as I read it to you today. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 32. But I would... But I would have you without carefulness. He that is unmarried careth for the things that belong to the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he that is married careth for the things that are of the world, how he may please his wife. There is a difference also between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman careth for the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she that is married careth for the things of the world, how she may please her husband. And this I speak not for your own profit, not that I may cast a snare upon you, but for that which is comely, that you may attend upon the Lord without distraction. Marriage can become a distraction in in reaching our mission for Christ. Being happy is not the goal of the Christian marriage. You know, although I'm very, although I'm a happily married person, I'm a happily married man, it's possible to be so distracted by that that you lose sight of the real mission that Christ has given us. Pleasing each other is great, but we are called to something much higher than that. Paul said, 
the married wife wants to please her husband. But we should seek to please the Lord. Pleasing each other is great, but we're called to make disciples for him. I think that our adversary, the devil, uses marriage as a way to distract us from our mission. Now, if you can get your marriage all messed up or get you caught up in adultery or get you discontent in your marriage, he wins a great victory for darkness and sin and hell. Because now, all of a sudden, instead of being concerned about making disciples for Christ, you've got all these problems in your marriage you need to work on. It becomes a distraction. It's like you go from being on the front lines of the battle to just fighting each other. You're also focusing too much on making your marriage great and neglecting the mission that God has given us makes your marriage a distraction from that. Neglecting the real mission for something else will make you regret that in eternity. When you see Jesus, you'll regret that you neglected what he wanted you to do. Working together for Christ will solve many of the problems in your marriage. Working together for the Lord puts things in a different perspective. This is because when you're both focused on the mission instead of on your problems, the problems become less consequential. That thing that gets on, the thing that my spouse does that really gets under my skin is not as important if I'm focused on the mission that God has given me. The thing that's not pleasing me in my marriage right now is not that important when I think about seeing Jesus face to face. It's not as important when I think about my mission of making disciples for him. It's like holding hands and doing his will draws you closer to God and each other at the same time. What is the purpose of marriage? Number one, to share the mission of the gospel. And what a great mission God has given us to make disciples for him. Number two, to face God with no regrets. Wouldn't it be great to face Jesus and not have regrets? I did my best to fulfill the mission that you gave me, Lord. I took the two talents, the one talent that you gave me, And now I have some with me. I multiplied. I gained interest in what you gave me. To face God with no regrets. And then to be so focused on the mission that you're interested in pleasing him and doing what's right and making disciples for him that is almost like you're a person that's not married. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the privilege to be able to open the word of God and to learn principles from your word. Lord, I'm well aware of my shortcomings in this area. And Lord, when I see you face to face, I don't want to have to bow my head or be ashamed or be empty handed and have to look at you and say what little I have to show for what you have given me. I pray that you'd help me to multiply what you've given me. Help me to be involved in making disciples for you. And I pray that I wouldn't be distracted by marriage, but I would use my marriage in my home and my wife to further your cause. We ask these things in your name. 
Thank you for listening to the Fixer Upper Marriage Podcast. If this podcast episode was helpful to you, consider sharing it with a friend. Remember that God has great things planned for your marriage, so don't miss it.